Hey, if you got your Bible with you this morning, turn to, you can turn to a lot of places, but I think the two places that you'd be best served to turn would be Matthew 24 or Isaiah 58. Lots of God's word in the message this morning, but those will be the two places that we spend the most time in today in God's word. And we're going to pick up this morning on our series, Heart for the Kingdom, which was paused when the world got turned upside down with the pandemic. And you saw in the news right there, we have rescheduled our legacy building dedication for Sunday, November 15th. That was originally scheduled for the first Sunday in May, and then everything went crazy, and we had to push it out. And I was prepared to preach these messages leading up to the building dedication. And so now that that's back on the calendar, Lord willing, I'm jumping right back in to preach this series, resume this series, Heart for the Kingdom. And listen, this is, this is an important message. This is, this is more than a sermon series. As, as elders, we've been hearing and seeking God, and, and we believe God's been bringing confirmation that there's some new things, there's some fresh things, there's some fresh ways that he wants to move in us and through us as a church. And we are super thankful and grateful. It's part of what we'll celebrate at that building dedication for the heritage of faith and service to our community that this church has. But God's been stretching us. For many years, we've, we've been committed to, to send at least 10% of all the revenue, all the offerings, all the tithes that come into this church to missions and outreach. And we began to just say, Lord, this is good. This is a good thing. There's a lot of churches that don't even do that. But what would it look like for us to begin to believe that you could use us to do more? And it began to challenge us and began to speak to us that in many ways that, that some things that we were just kind of repeating year, over, year after year that he wanted us to become more intentional to get in his presence and say, Lord, in this next year of ministry, in this next year for Rev City Church, and, and that's you and that's me. It's not an organization. It's not a 501c3. That's us together, the people of God. Lord, what's your heart? What's your vision for us to accomplish this next year of ministry? And to really begin to listen and to allow the Lord to maybe begin to stretch us and challenge us with some things that he wants to do in us and through us so that we can re reveal Jesus to our community. Come on, be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I wanna just echo what they shared, what the team there shared in the news. Would you come and be part of going out on that Saturday before Thanksgiving to be a blessing to our community on your way out today? Grab one of those bags that has the list of everything that you need to go as an individual or as a family or maybe partner up with a few other students or something and, and go fill that bag with those things and then come back, do more. If you're out of town or whatever, fine, just support it. But I wanna encourage you, come and be a part of it. There's nothing like going and just, and, and seeing what it feels like and what it looks like to go and to bless someone in the name of Jesus. It, inevitably, it does more for us than it does for those who receive. It, it causes us to be grateful. It reminds us of, to be prayerful because there are hurting people who desperately need Jesus in our community, amen? So come and be part of that. But the Lord began to challenge us that there's some things that he wants to do in us and through us. And in this, in this series, I'm gonna preach some vision for, I'm gonna to begin to unpack some of the things that the Lord spoke to us as a leadership team for us as a church moving forward. And I'm also, my heart is to also remind you of the benefits that you have access to as a man or a woman of God, a believer in Jesus, a Christ follower, as part of the kingdom of God. And listen, Jesus said that on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And have you ever thought about that, that the gates, gates, are, are, gates don't move? He said the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. 
In other words, he was saying, this church that I'm dying and, and being raised again to build, that's you and that's me, is intended to be an active force of light, an active force of hope and freedom and renewal and healing and freedom. That, that we're intended to be on the move. It's one of the reasons that we believe the Lord renamed our church Rev City because we're intended to live out an active faith that makes a difference, that goes to the places, that, that sweeps up in the, in the moments, that is present in the time where people have a need to, to be there and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed, be set free, be provided for, whatever it is, we're intended to be an active force in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're called to be a church that builds a kingdom. Jesus didn't come and die to establish an organization or a 501c3 nonprofit. He came to establish the kingdom of God on earth. It's the way he taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is where? In heaven. The kingdom of God was the primary motivation, mission, and message of Jesus. And Jesus only personally only a couple times used the word church in the New Testament. Matthew 16 Matthew 18, the Greek word ecclesia, which means ones called out together for a purpose. He, he, that's what he saw when he used the word church. A group of people called together to rally together for a specific purpose. But did you know he only used that word a couple times? Matthew 16, Matthew 18. But Jesus personally used the word kingdom 106 times in the NIV translation. The, the word kingdom, basilia, and so this was the primary motivation and mission of, of, of Jesus. We, he came to build and establish the church. That's you and me. We are the church, but our mission and our motivation is the building and the releasing of God's kingdom in the lives of people on this side of eternity, on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 4, 17. It says, Jesus began to preach. And what was he preaching? This is important. Repent, in other words, turn from the life you've been living and the way you've been thinking. Turn away from those things that have been dragging you down and holding you down, the weight of sin. Turn from those things, repent. For what? For the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus sent out his disciples, Luke chapter nine, one and two, one day Jesus called together the 12 disciples, gave them power and authority to cast out demons, to heal diseases. He sent them out to tell everyone about what? This is important, the kingdom of God. Luke 10, 9, as he sent them out to heal the sick, he said, tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. And listen, if you say, well, that's Jesus and that's the disciples. In the book of Acts, we find him giving the same instructions to a larger group of new believers who, who formed the foundation for the church that shared the gospel in the way that it eventually reached you and me. And the book of Acts, which is the Acts of the disciples, which is the early church modeling what it would look like to live out this thing called faith in Jesus, to show us what it would look like to be Christ followers. The book of Acts literally opens and closes with the message of the kingdom of God. Acts 1, verse 3. He appeared to them over the period of 40 days. And this is important. What did he want to tell them? He had 40 days to give them instructions, marching orders for how they would begin to, to preach and expand this thing that he came and paid such a high price to establish. What did he say? He said he, came, he appeared to them for 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Acts 28, 31, speaking of Paul, it says he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The church is who we are, but building the kingdom of God is what we do. In a Rev City, we want to be a church. Come on, dude, don't you want to be a part of a church? 
that does more than just exist on a street corner in a city, but we, have, we, we embrace and pick up the mandate that Jesus gave us to build the kingdom of God, to go into dark places and shine the light of Jesus, to go to places where people are hurting and needy, and to shine the light, to be the hands and to be the feet of Jesus. Come on, don't you want to be a part of that today? And even more so today, and maybe more than ever, it's what's needed. In the days we live in, we need an awakening of this revelation we, of who we are and of what God really came to do to entrust us with this message of the kingdom and all around with everything that's going on. I've heard people begin to wonder out loud and begin to kind of question, ask me questions. Pastor Thomas, do you believe that these are the end times? And if you've had that thought, you're in good company because even when Jesus was still here on the earth, the disciples were already wondering these things and asking these questions. Matthew 24, verse 3. It says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and they said, tell us, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And in verse 10, we pick up where Jesus is responding and then watch what he says. He says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith. And listen, I, I, here's what I understand. I understand that Every generation in some way, form, or fashion could really point to these things and things that were going on in their culture and believe that they were in that season. But I'm just telling you, I think that the days that we live in are more like this than any other generation could ever point to and say, this is going on in our culture. Just listen to what he said. People will turn away from the faith, will betray and hate one another. False prophets will appear, deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And watch what he says. Listen, I don't know about the dates and the times, but I do know what, with certainty what Jesus said right here must happen. Watch. The gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I don't know about this or that or the dates or the times or the seasons. I, I, I just, I, I know that there are birth pains that Jesus talked about beginning to happen in the earth. But what I do know is that he said, preach the gospel, which is the good news. The better translation of that word is the good news of the kingdom. Preach it to all nations. Preach it to every person. Preach it to every corner of your city, your workplace, every nation. Preach the gospel, which is the good news of the kingdom of God. And then it will happen the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. Listen, it's, it's what he has made you and I part of. Listen, this is encouraging. Jesus came to do so much more than give the opportunity for you to become a member of a church or an organization. He came to make you part of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Catch this, Colossians chapter one, verse 12 through 14. It says in verse 12, he, speaking of Jesus, has enabled you to share. Listen to this. Let this resonate in your spirit. This is what Jesus made possible for you. This is his heart for you. Maybe you've, maybe you've kind of drifted from this, and you need to be reminded today about just all that was in God's heart for you. Or if you're here today and you're far from God, that the invitation we'll give at the end of today's service is an invitation to do so much more than just put your hand in the air and respond to an altar call, but is to enter into this right here. He enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. That word, it says, enabled you. 
He enabled, he made possible. It's a legal term. When you get back to the root language, it means that Jesus came and made it legally, technically possible for you to become part of the family of God. It says there's an inheritance. And listen, inheritance is, inheritance rather is, is transferred through families. And listen, God came, Jesus came to make you part of his family. And you need to hear this this morning. The family of God is not just any old family. And how many of you have experienced some dysfunction and heartache in your own earthly family on this side of eternity? I saw a few hands go up and everyone else is just waiting to see who else would put their hands up to realize whether they could put theirs up, you know. And some of you were maybe elbowing some people next to you, you know. It's true. It's family of God's not just any old family. It's a royal family. Listen, Roy, this, is, this is an important distinction because royal families are established by bloodline, not by politics. Amen. By bloodline. Here's what it means for you. Here's why that's important. Because on your worst day, your least popular day, you cannot and you will not be voted out of the family of God because it is only because of the blood of Jesus that you are part of this royal family, that you have this inheritance, that you've been rescued, it says, rescued. I don't know about you, but I am eternally grateful. I wasn't always standing behind a pulpit preaching the word of God to the people of God. I was part of the kingdom of darkness, and Jesus came, and the word that's used right there is he rescued me. And I'm eternally grateful he rescued me from the kingdom of darkness, purchased our freedom, forgave our sins. This is the gospel of the kingdom. And it's more powerful than the gospel of religion. Jesus didn't use that terminology. He used this terminology kingdom because he wanted us to understand the power and the authority and the, and the spirit of family that we were a part of that transcends religion. And we've erred by dumbing it down and we need to revisit and recapture the, the power of this message that you are part of the kingdom of God because of what Jesus came and did for you. Religion is man's unsuccessful attempt after attempt after attempt after attempt to make himself right with God. The cross of Jesus Christ was heaven's forever successful attempt to draw man back to God. That's, that's what we're a part of, the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. And the spirit of religion says that you got to get your life together before you come to God. The gospel of the kingdom says, come to me, come to me, come to me, just like you are, just what, with everything that you're going through. Come on, every imperfection, every misstep, every misdeed, come to me. You who are weary, you who are heavy laden, you who are burdened. He said, I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. You don't have to get right before you come to God. You come to God and that's when your life begins to get straightened out. We need a restoration of this message, the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. And I want to draw out a couple of contrasts of this gospel. Again, the good news, preach the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. And then that day, will come. And the first one is that the kingdom of God is about relationship over religious rules. And the early believers in the book of Romans chapter 14 are arguing and debating back and forth and asking Paul to weigh in on the matter. They're debating about what foods and drinks can be 
eaten or, 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 or consumed. They're arguing about what day is the right day to worship upon because traditionally it had been on the Shabbat, the Saturday, the Sabbath. And then there were some people who were beginning to worship on the Lord's day, which was Sunday morning, the day that the Lord came alive and rose from the grave. And so they're beginning to already just wrangle about these religious disputes. And the apostle Paul weighs in on it. Watch what he says. He says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. In other words, he's saying, don't worry about all these rules and regulations. Are there some things that God instructs us to do and cautions us not to do? Yes, only for our good. He, only for our good. Everything in God's word that he cautions us against doing and encourages us to do is all because it positions us and aligns us to live the life that's most blessed by him and protects us from the damage that sin can cause in our lives and our relationships. But he says, the kingdom of God is not about rules and regulations. Watch what he says, righteousness, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, which is more than just good Christian behavior. It's a position that was purchased for you and me by the blood of Jesus. We became the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. It's more than rules and regulations. It's, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. Listen, there are many people who are rejecting God. And I believe it's not because they're actually rejecting God. It's because they're rejecting what they see, a, a form of godliness that has no power to change lives. They see a, a form of religion that doesn't really lead to a relationship. And as a church, we've got to begin to restore this message and begin to preach the gospel of the kingdom, which is relationship over religious rules. James 1, verse 27. James talks about this concept of religion, and he says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And if you're still in Matthew chapter 24, now's a good time to go to Isaiah 58. We're going to read a big part of Isaiah 58, and this is the word of God coming through the prophet Isaiah to the people of God who have kind of gotten caught up in doing religious activities to make themselves appear more godly and holy to the people around them. And he's bringing a warning from the heart of God, and he's, he's encouraging them with the, the life that God is really concerned about. And that's where we pick up this chapter in verse 5 of Isaiah 58. And he's saying, Is this the kind of fast that I have chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for one, for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? And in other words, for, for, for putting on sackcloth and ashes and, 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 and being obvious to other people that you're attempting to be holy before God and, and to look pious and religious. He says, is that really what it's all about? And listen, I do believe that we need a restoration of some biblical disciplines. Come on, some men and some women and some young people who are willing to fast before God on account of their marriage, to fast before God on account of their school, to, to fast before God on account of our nation, to, to be willing to get back to some of those things. But he's showing us right here, he's saying, if you're just doing it to look religious or to feel good about your own self, you're missing the mark, you're missing the point. And he says, is not the kind of fasting that I have chosen, this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Watch what he says, to loose the chains of injustice to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. 
Watch what he says right here. Watch what he says for those who will embrace that this is the life that God's called us to sacrifice some things so that we can focus on what really matters to God, doing these things, being there for the poor and the needy and the hurting and and being the hands and feet of Jesus. Watch what he says. He says, if you'll do these things, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry, satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. Your night will be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. Come on, these are good promises. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called a repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Come on, those are good promises for the people of God. Amen? Amen? And so listen, this is more than a sermon series. We believe that the Lord has really been speaking to us and challenging us and charging us as a church. How can we live this out? There's already some things that we're doing, this Thanksgiving outreach that we've done for the last few years and we'll do again this year. But we begin to say, Lord, how could we begin to be more intentional at activating our church to do what's important to you, to feed the, the hungry, to clothe those who have need, to, to be a, a source of blessing and encouragement and inspiration, Lord, to be there for the, the widow and for the orphan, to visit those who are been, who have been in prison to preach the gospel to them. And listen, it's important. Jesus said, Matthew 6, or actually Matthew 25, he said, for I was hungry. And this is a significant passage. He's sorting out those who will spend eternity with him with those who won't. This is a critical issue. And he says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. Clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to me. And, and they said, Lord, when did we do that to you? And he said, when you did it to the least of these. And to those who did all those things, he said, come and enter into your joy. Be with me forever. This is a critical issue. And so we began to just say, God, how could we begin to be more intentional to seek you for the vision that you would call us to and begin to come on. One of the values of our church is is dream big and start small. And we can't let the massive, the magnitude rather of the issues or the challenges that, that are in our society cause us or keep us from stepping out in faith and just saying, Lord, send us, we'll do something. We'll do something. We'll send, we'll take some turkeys and some, some food to some people. We'll step out and we'll do whatever it takes. But I believe that the Lord has brought some big vision for how he desires to use Rev City Church. Come on, you and me, us together in unity to make a big difference in our community. And so we're establishing a heart for the kingdom ministry. We're establishing a heart for the kingdom fund. And we have a hope and a desire that we're in the past. We've dedicated 10% of everything that comes in to outreach and to missions and to things like what we're talking about doing, that that there will be a day soon in the next few years where we'll look up and we'll see that the the amount of of giving that's given to Heart for the Kingdom and these initiatives that we desire to see undertaken will equal or exceed the amount of money that's given to our regular operating budget through our tithes and offerings. That as God begins to challenge us and present some things to us and we begin to come and share with you guys as a church family that our hearts will be, will be prompted to step up and say, yes, I'll give, I'll serve, I'll go. Whatever I can do, let me know and, I'll, and let's make this happen for the glory of God, for the building of God's kingdom. Internationally in 2021, we have a heart 
to come alongside Brooklyn Cole, who was here last Sunday. If you weren't here, you could go back and check it out. She's doing an amazing work in East Africa, bringing in street kids who have been abandoned or rejected by society and giving them a safe home, a home that's built on the word of God and, and modeling what it looks like to them to know Jesus and his heart and his purposes for their life. And she's been blessed with 35 acres that now she needs the resources to come alongside her to build a home and a school for those kids. We're believing that God will somehow, someway use us to partner with her to build it. Come on, wouldn't that be a good thing to celebrate? We're partnering with the ministry and with the young lady who grew up in this church, who answered the call of God to go into a place that I didn't even know existed deep in the jungles of Mexico. A group of people, an indigenous group of people that doesn't speak Spanish, but has the language all to their own. And they've never had the word of God translated into their language. That's what she's there doing, translating the Bible so that people can begin to read the word of God. Come on, that you and I all too often take for granted that we have such ready access to. Most of us have multiple Bibles in our house and we carry it around on our phone with immediate access to it. And yet too often we go throughout our day without even giving it honor. She's there working to diligently cross-reference and translate the word of God so that they can read it for the first time. We're gonna come alongside her and see that brought to completion, amen? In the Solomon Islands, there was a young man who once was a visiting scholar here in Lawrence at, at the University of Kansas who was so caught up by what he saw modeled in this church family, the love of God and the goodness of God and the way people lived out a sincere, authentic faith that he went back, charged up to live for Jesus and began to preach the gospel in the Solomon Islands, a place that only a few generations ago was a cannibalistic culture. And now he's established a leadership training school where he's not just raising up believers, but he's raising up Christian leaders who are making a difference to the end result of transforming the entire culture of the Solomon Islands. We're going to continue to get behind him. There's another young man and his wife, a young man raised in this church family who have answered the call of God and gone to one of the most dangerous places in all of the, the world, the Middle East, the nation of Turkey, to be a missionary, to plant a church and preach the gospel to people who are opposed to the gospel. We're gonna come alongside them and continue to strengthen them and support them and encourage them as they stand for Jesus in one of the darkest places in all the world. Come on, you are gonna have the opportunity to be a part of all this and more. We're gonna be a part of reaching the Jewish people who are precious and near and dear to the heart of God with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah. Locally, God's challenging us to believe, to again, dream big and be willing to start small. That's why we're going out and activating the church to go do outreach, but we have a vision. We have a vision that God is calling us as Rev City to acquire a building or acquire some land and renovate it or build the facility and dedicate it as a house of hope and healing for the city of Lawrence, a place where when you have a need, you can come and receive clothing. When you're hungry, you can come and receive food. I have a vision for us coming together and mobilizing and activating our church that many of us will be there sorting the clothes and organizing the food and preparing to welcome the precious people to come and hear about Jesus and then be blessed whatever they have need of. If we have it, we'll give it to them in the name of Jesus. I see us gathering the, the, the list of school supplies that's, that's necessary for every grade, and I see us resourcing the, the provision for acquiring those school supplies and packing them in a, in a backpack, not just any backpack, but come on, the kind of backpack a kid would really want, and preaching the gospel to these families and then blessing them with what they need to start school and feel like they have what they need to succeed. 
I see us doing job training there where we're helping people who maybe have been caught up in the throes of addiction and are looking to get back on their feet. We help them to develop their resume and we give them some job training skills and we maybe provide them with a makeover and a, and a suit or a wardrobe that they need to go and be successful in their interview process. Maybe there's some of us that would want to come alongside and maybe give them a makeover, a haircut, help them do their makeup, prepare to go for that interview in a way that they can be more successful than they could have if we weren't there to, to, to bless them in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ, a center for hope and healing, a center for, for outreach. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of hope. Locally, we believe that God's calling us to have a vision through this Heart for the Kingdom initiative for a prison ministry. And before pandemic, we had began to meet with some of the the leaders in the Kansas Department of Corrections and say, how can we, we don't know what it will look like, we don't know what all we can do, but we just know it's important and near and dear to the heart of God. How can we come alongside you to serve and bless you? And those meetings got interrupted with some transition in, in, in the Department of Corrections and by the pandemic, but what I began to realize is that maybe what God spoke to us early on as we were entering into this, that what seems like an interruption and what seems like opposition could really be opportunity in some ways, if we were willing to see it differently from the, from the eyes of God. And from the heart of God, come on, see a challenge through eyes of faith. And so just recently I realized, whoa, what this means is that all the organizations that we're going in in person to do things can no longer do it. And maybe there's a need for a church who has recently invested because of your faithfulness and generosity in the technology and the capabilities, the cameras and the, and the and this room full of equipment that's right here beyond this wall. Maybe you've never seen it. You need to take a moment to stop by and check it out, all the production that's going on there. Maybe there's an opportunity for a church who has invested in that for the preaching of the gospel to the corners of the world to come alongside the Kansas Department of Corrections and say, what could we do? Buy the monitors, buy the projectors, buy the chairs, buy the sound system, invest in the resources that are necessary so that every week we can preach the good news of Jesus Christ to the precious men and women who are currently incarcerated but have a future in God that's filled with hope nonetheless. That's the kind of thing, listen, I'm just casting vision for what we believe is possible through this new initiative, through this new vision, heart for the kingdom. We're blessed with this 10 acres, and on November 15th, we'll come together and we'll celebrate, we'll dedicate in a renewed way this building for the glory of Jesus Christ. And I wanna say thank you to all who have already given and sowed or volunteered or whatever to help to make it happen. And I wanna thank you for prayerfully considering how you would come on November 15th and do what the Bible shows us multiple times as the people of God would gather to dedicate the temple where the house, the tabernacle of God, the place that they had consecrated and dedicated for the glory of God. And I want us to come and bring a, an extravagant offering, a generous offering to help us to finish paying off this project on November 15th. But one of the things that the Lord has done is he's blessed us with 10 acres. And I've often just, as I've driven through the parking lot or just been out working on the yard or whatever, just tr imagine, I, I just, I, I just, I look out across this land and I just want to imagine, Lord, what is it that you have in mind for that land? And listen, I'm just telling you, I don't know what, what it will entail, but I'm just feeling compelled to share with you some things that the Lord has spoken to me. And then just trust him for the timing, trust him for the provision, trust him for the people, trust him for the resources that'll be necessary to fulfill it. But recently, as I began to just imagine what this green space out here will look like, I began to see a home that we would come together and build, a center, a home for foster care and, ado and Christian adoption services, where maybe we'll step up and we'll say, listen, we're." 
There's, a, there's an epidemic of children who, who, who need forever homes. There's an epidemic of kids who need a temporary place while mom and dad get back on their feet. We'll step up and we'll dedicate this place, which is right adjacent to a ball field and a full court basketball court that we're having installed just next week and a church right here where every Sunday morning and Wednesday night they can come and be discipled and be taught about a God who loves them and cares for them and has a future for them. Just maybe what's possible? I don't know when it will happen. We'll trust God for the timing. We'll trust God for the resources. But wouldn't it be amazing if we could come together and do something that would be difficult and challenging for any of us to do in our own strength or our own might. But when we pool our resources and when we partner together to pray, nothing's impossible for God. Nothing's impossible for God. Our lives are a testimony of that. My life is a testimony. You could see where I was in my late teens and my early 20s, if you could see the life I was living, you would know that nothing is impossible for God, that I'm standing behind this pulpit preaching and declaring boldly the, the, the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you stand to your feet this morning? My heart through this series is not to just unpack and begin to introduce this vision that I hope in some way, I hope there's something, a spark of excitement that's coming alive on the inside of you about what's possible for the future of our church as we continue to rally together in the name of Jesus. But also that you would be reminded personally about just what Jesus made possible through his shed blood, his death and crucifixion on the cross of Calvary and his risen life. That he made it possible for you to be welcomed back into the family of God. That it's not just any family, it's a royal family. Listen, if that's you today and that sounds like a far off promise or maybe it sounds like you say, Pastor T, if you only knew where I'm at and what I'm going through, that sounds good for the person to my left or my right or whatever, but if you just knew where I was, I'm telling you, if that's you today, if that's you today, you are not here by accident. You are here in this place or joining us online remotely because you need to be reminded that you matter to God, that you are valuable to him, that it was you that he had in his heart and on his mind when he sent his one and only son, Jesus. He didn't just come to die to just give you a, a, a life of religion or a life of church membership. or attend. He came to make you part of his family and a part of a kingdom that will stand and rule and reign victorious forever and ever and ever and ever. If that's you, or maybe you've been far from God or never given your life to Jesus, Right now, right now, right now. If that's you, you're far from God and you need to come back home into his family right now, right where you are. What's most important is what's happening in your heart. But we wanna encourage you to just begin to live out what God's doing in your heart with the lifting of your hand. Right now, wherever you are in this room or joining us online, just say, that's me. That's me. I wanna come home to Jesus. I wanna come home to this family. I wanna come home to, to the kingdom of God. I wanna experience what Colossians spoke about, being rescued out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Lord, thank you for these precious people. Thank you, Lord, for these precious people. Thank you, Lord, for the lifting of these hands of what, what, they, what it represents, hearts turning and coming back home to a good heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. One more moment, one more moment to just respond. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. One more moment. Maybe you're joining us online and your heart is just stirring 
And I want to encourage you, even if you're by yourself in your car, in your living room, wherever, just this, you're not responding to a pastor or a person, you're responding to God. And so right where you are, maybe I want to encourage you to stand and maybe even lift your hand. No, you think no one's seen it. It's not about a person seeing it. It's about the heart of God seeing it. And just watch what God's going to do in your life. Just watch what God's going to do in your life. From this day forward, as you begin to, to seek Him and come after Him, you don't have to get it all together before you come to Him. You come to Him and begin to live for Him and know Him and seek Him and search after Him and just watch what He's going to begin to do. Restore things. Renew things. Put the pieces of your life back together again. Restore relationships. Whatever it is for you, just watch what He will do. In Jesus' name. And now we're going to pray this prayer with those who have raised. If you raise your hand, you can put your hands down. But we do this every week. We pray this together with those who are responding to Jesus. And we do it for two reasons, very intentionally. And one is to just quickly show those who are responding by the lifting of their hands that there's a church family that wants to come alongside them and support them, encourage them, and, ch and champion them, cheer them forward in their new or fresh walk with Jesus. And the second reason we do it all together, we pray this out loud every week, is because it reminds us that even as we're growing in our faith, we never graduate from grace. We still need Jesus today as bad as we ever have. And so come on, church family, and those of you joining us online, church family, let's pray this together. And come on, pray it with boldness and passion. Pray it in a way that you really are showing your support for these precious people who raised their hand and gave their lives to Jesus today. Come on, repeat after me. Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a Savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price that I could not pay, to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. I give you that life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, because of the cross of Jesus, I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. Come on, people of God, can you put your hands together to rejoice with all of heaven for the precious people who gave their lives to Jesus today? Listen, those of you who were in this room and responded to Jesus, we have a special gift that we want to give you. We have a Bible, a Fresh Start Bible, and some other resources we want to put in your hands. If you'll just stop by the Welcome Center right on your left is on your way out. We would love to give that to you. If you're joining us um, online and you dedicated or rededicated your life to Jesus, we want to send you the very same resources. And all you have to do is just email us. Email newlife at revcity.com and tell us you dedicated your life to Jesus. We'll get that on its way to be a blessing to you. Come on, one more time, church. Can we just give the Lord thanks and praise for what he's doing in our church and what he's doing in our lives? And I believe that the best is yet to come. In fact, come on, say that after me. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Your life, your marriage, your family, your home, your kids, this church, our city, I believe it, amen? Hey, let's, let's worship the Lord one more time together today before we dismiss you.